This week on the podcast, my guests are brothers Morgan and Nelson Banks of the Banks Brothers, a four-piece band from Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. The band are due to release their EP on Friday the 1st of March and then they're embarking on a UK tour supporting Red Drum Club. First date of the tour is the 7th of March in Glasgow and they'll be they'll be up and down the country on that tour. So be sure to check them out if you can because they, they're a really good band. The Banks Brothers sound fuses together Nelson's soulful voice with the influence of bands such as Walking Heads and Paul Simon right up to the Pixies and the Strokes which fused together creates a unique style that, that I have never heard before. It all seems to be the perfect blend. I hope you're all enjoying the podcast. Keep liking, sharing, telling your pals. Leave reviews where you can, do whatever you can for the podcast. Get in touch with me if you get any suggestions for guests you would like to appear on the podcast. And as I say, more importantly, enjoy. But the cold will On the podcast this week, I have brothers Nelson and Morgan Banks of the Banks Brothers, a four-piece band from Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. The other two members of the band are Carson Cleaver and Gray Oxley. Um, We're going to talk all about the band's career, including what's coming up, which includes a UK tour starting the 7th of March, supporting Red Drum Club. But... What I like to do at the start, um, what was life like for the two of you growing up um, as youngsters in Canada? Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like we grew up, like in Canada. We also grew up in in Tokyo as well, like in Japan. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, which is so. That's I think that's kind of like an influence for us is like our dad was a classical guitarist in Tokyo. And so, um, yeah, we split time between Canada and Tokyo growing up. So that was, that was kind of cool. Cause where we are, there's not a whole lot going on, you know, and it's then a, it's a pretty small town where we are, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then going to Tokyo, you're getting like a, you're in the biggest city in the world. So it goes from, you go from small town to big city and we kind of saw both, a lot growing up, which is cool, and there's a lot of, a lot of different things going on, you know. So, what was were you traveling between us? Were you in Tokyo for so many years, and then what was it? More so, like that. Like when, I'm, when I was little, like we were there for, I think two years or something like that, and then came back, and then we would kind of go back over for quick visits and whatever. But like Morgan and my oldest brother Connor, they lived over there for a few years before that even. So, you know, there's been a lot of you know yeah back and forth back and forth yeah yeah like it was yeah but it was it was like that yeah it was more like a couple years since and then and then we'd come back and then we'd go over for yeah then we'd go over for a month you know or or two and then come back and it was just yeah so we would kind of change the the durations would change but we were we were over there quite a bit yeah no that's that's really nice to have that kind of international travel so early on as well if you get any kind of ninja or samurai tendencies, <laughs> I always wanted that. Yeah, he and he actually Nelson always was I have a cat like reflexes. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he always wanted to. Uh, he always had these like yoga pants he'd wear as a kid, and he would call them his ninja pants. And he used to run around uh, playing ninja like that. But <laughs> and I think that probably came out of living in Japan too. Probably. <laughs> so yeah. as you said about your your dad was a uh, your dad was into the guitar. So did he kind of was he an influence on you packing up the guitars yourself? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at least for me, like he was just it was a 
I don't know. It was just like one of those cool things that we could always like bond over, you know. And it, and he was just, and he was a teacher like for of classical music for like years, like mm-hmm. before kids. So he was just like kind of really excited to teach his kids music and all that. So it was he was the best teacher to have, you know. But yeah, a lot of like especially I like I I don't uh, use a pick or anything. I do finger picking. So lots of, like the right hand technique all came from like classical stuff like that. Yeah, no, definitely definitely a big influence. Um, yeah uh, well and and the the thing about our dad too is that he's um he's he's a hoarder in a polite sense of the word uh he but he's a hoarder of 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 musical instruments so we had guitars around the house like like all the time so you know my my brother did learn learned more from my dad because he could he could sit through a guitar lesson with my dad easier than i could but um but like the flip side of that coin was he always had guitars around the house. And so like, even if I didn't want to take a lesson from my dad, I could still find a guitar in any given room of the house and like, you know, teach myself a chord or two. And and we always had, yeah, we always had guitars around to do that. So. (laughs) So did you know then early on that kind of, this was the road you wanted to go down, you wanted to be musicians or was a, was there anything else before that? Was there jobs or, or university? I wanted, I wanted to be a carpenter at one point. That was like the be all end all for me. I wanted to be a carpenter. And then uh, we like we started playing more and it kind of like, you know, started playing cooler shows. And I think the first show we played that had like stage lights and an actual audience, I was like, you know, maybe I could maybe I could leave the whole carpentry biz, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I could ditch that the rock star life you know but it was actually funny because my dad when i went to my dad and i was like you know what i think i like i think i want to go to like this other school to you know they got a good carpentry program i want to you know i want to do some woodworking my dad was like you don't you don't want to be a rock star and i'm like yeah. <laughs> supposed to have like the opposite re- approach to that to yeah, that yeah. Answer. whatever you know I'm- yeah we, we we grew up in the one household probably where your parents are more supportive of you being a musician than they are of you trying to be a doctor or something you know like <laughs> 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 yeah um but yeah no i mean for for me I, I i when i was five years old i wanted to be elvis presley that was like i thought he was the coolest man on the planet and so <laughs> i watched i did everything in my power to look like elvis presley and be elvis presley so i think that probably plays a factor in all this too but <laughs> so before before the 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 current inclination of the band was there any other musical projects was there any other bands prior to, to this well, no. we we started off as a folk duo, like yes. just the two of us, mm-hmm. and like that started when we were in sort of high school, like, um, and yeah, we started off more like Simon and Garfunkel, that sort of leaning, you know, um, like a lot of a lot of harmonies, which still applies to like our sound now, like with with rock stuff, it kind mm-hmm. of it. At times, people have said it's you know more folk rock than than alternative rock and things because of the way we harmonize and the way we phrase things. Like, um, but yeah, like that was that's probably the only real project we've been a part of. Our our bandmates were 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 their own separate in their own separate projects that were also in mm-hmm. school. We're all friends in school together since the time we were like kids, but they were always in bands that were way way too cool for me to ever be in and so (laughs) and so yeah but when it came time that like we were gonna do a show it was sort of the bigger show the biggest show we were gonna do at that point um I was like you know I I want we should get a band together for this and so I called these guys up and and I you know baited them in with you know hey it's gonna be kind of a bigger show you guys want to be a part of this and then and then it just kept going after that you know right well, I mean, I've got here on your socials and all that, it says um, he's met in a pool hall um, or, or there was some sort of meeting in a pool hall and that's yeah. that the band formed. Yeah, well, that was it. Yeah, so because, like, I uh, I went down to the, the to play some pool and, 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 and there was a couple of weeks out from that show and I'd, we'd been already been talking about, about getting that, like getting a band together and I just happened to run into like 
we had a we had a bass player at the time who was who was in that room too and then our lead guitar player and they were already there playing pool and i was like hey guys would you would you want to join our band for this show i kind of I, I i went into that pool hall like thinking like like i would uh you know I, i'd probably run into them there and <laughs> and so it just happened to work out that that they were there and so i was like yeah you know uh, if you guys want to want to want to join we'd, we'd love to have you <laughs> and yeah obviously you you mentioned um the some of the guys who were in other bands so what was the what was the music scene like around about where you were what was it was it a thriving scene for him a little more like because you had like you had like because carson he had like a band the phyllis killers they were wicked and then uh Gray was slow zodiacs and they were and they were like the lunchtime bands, you know what I mean? Like they'd go on and they'd like rock out and everybody's like, That is so sick, that's so cool, and whatever. And then by the time I got there, it was more like kind of and you know, nothing wrong with it, but it was a little more like kind of like Ed Sheeran folk guitar kind of thing, which is mm -hmm. but there was not as much of that cool rock culture kind of thing for me so you yeah. kind of got more of the band yeah the and there was there was less people doing it by the time yeah. they came out i guess but yeah. like yeah there was um yeah like there wasn't so much a like a a scene outside of our school that we went to there was just mm -hmm. but there was a really good scene in within our school around music <laughs> like it was we were probably the only generation of of students were like the rocker kids were cooler than the athlete kids you know right <laughs> and so like there was like yeah there was all these bands and they were like like i, I remember um our uh drummer he was he was going like uh, it, you know it'd be a friday night and and everyone would be you know oh it's there's a party or whatever and he couldn't make it because he was off gonna go play some club in town and all the clubs are you know 19 plus here in bc and so it's pretty uncommon for like high school kids 16 15 16 to be going and playing clubs mm -hmm. and so that was always like that was that was always super cool and everyone thought that was so cool yeah so that was a yeah it was a pretty good scene for for at least my generation yeah <laughs> obviously look, looking on the map as i say that i was Checking out the map earlier to see whereabouts she's actually are in the world. So where where British Columbia is, it's quite near, quite close to America. And that said, I don't know the distances actually if I was there. But obviously, looking on the map, like Seattle's just underneath you. So was was that like a big that that scene was that a big influence like over in Canada, like Nirvana and all them. Yeah, I would say especially like for the generation that we were in, I think there was a lot of bands that came out of Seattle and like all that music, the Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, mm -hmm. a lot of bands. They were they were very much on our radar, you know. Um, and it was yeah, it's so close geographically. Like we're 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 actually just as close to Seattle. I think if we take a boat because we we're on an island, right? So if we go we can go to Seattle and it's just as close to go to Seattle as it is to go to Vancouver. Right. So it's, it's, it's really quite close. There's just, there's a few more hurdles you have to get through to get to Seattle for us. So we don't go as often as we do to Vancouver, but it's right there. Yeah. Right. Obviously we Kurt Cobain, one of Kurt Cobain's favorite bands, I think he, he said was teenage fan club, which are from okay. like, they're maybe about two or three miles up the road from where I'm at. So yeah. for a guy the other end of the world to kind of name check a band for on my doorstep, I find that mind blowing. It it yeah. just kind of shows how small the world actually is, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. What I seen as well, you you said the red residency and is it the canoe club? Yeah. So what we used then then play was that was that weekly gigs you were playing in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, yeah, we. It was Canoe Club was a a venue in town here, and it was like a really good spot. I mean, it was covers. We would play covers at that time, but the mm -hmm. the bar itself was just a really cool place. Like it, it, it felt 
like one of those places where where people kind of came and they had a high expectation of of what they were going to see and so you always had like people's eyes like super focused on the band and it was always it was like you were playing a show even though you were playing like cover songs it was like you had the crowd like it was like an, a ticketed audience because they were so focused and so that that yeah it was really kind of great for that it, it was great for us too because we went from playing like farmers markets and i don't know birthday parties like wedding parties like you pretty much name it and we would play it so uh -huh. we were playing all of these kinds of things we were like man we want to like we want to play in a cool club. We want to play a cool show. Not like, a, you know, I don't want to have produce next to me while we're rocking it, you know? And then uh, we we ended up getting the canoe thing and it was just like immediately like, oh, okay, this is like so cool. We were like all stressed out, but uh, it was like the best, the best thing that could have happened for us because it's like, okay, cool. Now here's what it's like to like play in front of people and you have to move around and keep them occupy i didn't really move around i was yeah, i was always like, quite shy there, yeah but, but you you go from playing you know these farmers markets and, and and street markets and things and and suddenly you're playing for like you know 400 people a night on a saturday night in downtown and yes. that's the best part like it wasn't like we were bringing the four it was just you just go there and it has a built-in audience of like just music lovers so yeah it's like the best you have like you know gray people like like fresh new people who are just getting into the whole live music thing it's like it was a great like uh you variety. got a mix of demographics yeah there, you know yeah it was cool yeah so i mean obviously with, with something like that that audience is coming to see you whereas when when you're playing these farmer markets they're not specifically coming to see you. They're just there and you're, you're on, so to speak. Lockdown came as well. So how did you handle kind of lockdown? How was it personally for, for you and the band? And what was it like in general in Canada? It was, it was pretty tough. I mean, because we went from... We had just gotten into that canoe residency. We were about, you know, 10 months into that residency mm -hmm. and we'd started to really build that that night up that we were playing like it, it went from like it, it would always felt good in there but it got to a point where we were finally starting to have like a line out the block and going around the corner you know mm -hmm. and as we were getting to that point where it was like we had we'd felt like we'd built this thing up it 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 uh was taken away from us like so quickly like and abruptly and nobody knew how long it was going to be I'm, oh, I'm, it's going to be a couple weeks. Yeah, I still remember all of us going, it's fine, it'll just be a couple weeks. Actually, the vacation might be kind of nice. And then it was like two <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was, um, yeah, I'm not so sure like what it was like over over on your side of the pond, but it was pretty, it was pretty strict. Like it was pretty tight for a couple of years. Like there was, there's, there wasn't many venues to play. There wasn't, really much opportunity to do much of anything and then a lot of yeah, venues pretty actually much the same here yeah. yeah yeah a lot of the venues closed down canoe actually closed down yeah and then was... it got reopened as another place and they don't do live music anymore so it was just like yeah uh, but yeah yeah it was a shame because that was a really cool venue we lost victoria lost like half of their venues during covid because a lot of them were these cool places but like canoe canoe was a prime it was like in an old fire hall from the 1800s and they right. got it place and it was this really cool club and it was down on the waterfront in Victoria. So, I mean, obviously I guess the, the rent is probably high on that, that kind of location, but yeah, it was a shame because yeah, it closed down and then reopened as this new, new thing, which is sort of, it's more of a chain restaurant kind of thing. And they, they, they yeah. took that aspect out of it and yeah, there's a, and that happened to a lot of venues in town. So there was a, there's a lot of like iconic venues that we didn't even get to play because they because they closed down before we could ever get to them, you know. But mm. yeah, um, yeah, it, it, it's got a lot to answer for that COVID. It's, I mean, <laughs> e even now looking at some of the things like she's trying to get like a taxi here. There's no taxi drivers anymore. Other taxi drivers because because no one was going out. The taxi drivers quit their jobs and now they. They all do deliveries for takeaways. Uh, and obviously, two years down the line, we're out of lockdown and all that, but 
they've they've continued to do the takeaways rather than taxing. It's obviously more lucrative for them to do that. So when you go at nights, Friday and Saturday nights, it's really hard to get a taxi. Crazy. Well, that's good to know. I guess uh, one of, we'll have to draw straws for who can't have any beers while we play, so they have to drive to and van home. Nobody's taking a taxi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Just, there's no like. There's you guys don't have Uber or anything like that. Like well, they're just. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but again, there's not as many as that. It's obviously you, you get people like you. I don't know if you have Just Eat over there. So like you get Just Eat, you order for your restaurant. So people are doing that rather than. They're making more money doing that than they are driving people a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I guess it's more probably more consistent work. But yeah, no, it, like we we didn't have that that specific problem here. But there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah weird sort of fallout from it still. Like we feel the effects. Like there's just yeah we lost because we lost so many venues, especially on the music front. Like because we lost so many venues. Like there's not I don't know a whole lot of people that were in the scene before they've also kind of taken a step away from from doing music altogether like we even have like a cousin he's he's quite a bit older than us but he he basically took that as his opportunity to sort of retire from that and and mm-hmm. he kind of got real quote unquote yeah that was probably the biggest upset is like seeing yeah. a bunch of bands who like you know from the time we were doing talent shows, they were doing talent shows too. And it's kind of like, we're like, Hey, how you doing? You know, always in the next to each other. But then they just kind of, they dropped out with COVID because there was just nothing. There yeah. Was nothing. Yeah. It's sad. It? Yeah. Obviously we're having that residency at the canoe club and you, you were kind of honing your stagecraft then. And then the lockdown came and did that give you a chance to kind of, again, focus on your recording. Yeah, because that was the one thing about playing covers was that I think it kind of, it while it was really good for getting us good at playing, it was it was distracting from, from our initial plan of making yeah. and recording music. You know, like we'd, we'd spent, we'd spent a lot of time in the first, first couple of years, like, like it was, you know, I mean, that was only a couple of years in when we were doing that, but we'd spent the first year or so of being a band, really being really excited about being a band and writing all of these songs. And I mean, we were always kind of working on songs, even when we were still playing those shows, because we, we practiced like crazy every week. But um, yeah, it was, it, it definitely gave us time to focus on that side of things more like, like that was the one silver lining was well, that- more so when like everyone kind of got back together because like at the beginning of COVID every you know nobody knew what was going on everyone was just like we're just going to stay away and you know lock down whatever but Gray yeah Gray went to what moved to Toronto our drummer moved to Toronto came mm-hmm. back with a concert and we were like oh hey how you doing you know whatever and then uh when we kind of yeah when we got back into it it was it felt like really quickly things started to happen again like we had we had just written some songs and then we met our manager, showed him the songs. He liked them, went to the studio, started recording. And it was just kind of like, whoa, there we go. Like out of COVID, it felt like things just really picked up again. Mm-hmm. But uh, wait, where was I going with that? Sorry, I'm kind of sleepy over here. It's, it's <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah, no, uh, but I mean, yeah, it was it was good for that. Like coming, like it was nice that we kind of had a chance to take a step back, look at our songs we'd already We'd, we'd written before and, and rework them and, and come up with new ideas for them because like we, we'd we actually gone and recorded you know demos of of what is now this EP we've we've gone and recorded demos of it a couple of times already and, and they were sort of previous attempts at making the EP in the past and there were things that worked and things that didn't work and so we kind of had time to figure that out before we got playing so much and then once we stopped playing so much it was nice to like Take a step back and refine it more mm-hmm. from that. And how go. how does the how does the writing process work? With who takes lead on that? Uh, usually me. I I'm like big about just writing like the. I'll just do like a quick kind of almost like a folk version of it, and then I come to the band and then we'll just throw it all together. Yeah, like yeah. He, he'll come he'll come forward with like you know and sometimes it's 60, really 60, 70 
five percent of an idea and then or you i'll know just be like hey boy guys i've written a song and i have like a couple chords and they're like okay great let's completely change that into something good and then we'll <laughs> start from there. like okay cool yeah like i think i think when it was the ep with the ep it was it was a lot more those focused were kind of on his on his his sort of those were a fair amount writing of covid of the time songs too though you know like a lot of the like the folk or folkier ones from then or from before we were like really working at original music and stuff like that there was a lot of just songs that i'd written over a long time but i mean like going forward now I'd, I'd say it's way less so like that it's more kind of everyone is putting in their two cents and that kind of thing which isn't which is nice takes the takes the pressure off me so yeah no it's it's been a different process coming out of making the ep versus going into making the ep like definitely we learned we learned we spent so much time with each other making the ep because that was still during during lockdown times when we did that and we were kind of all stuck together in the basement of our producer's place and and we uh so we like kind of learned to work with each other really well at that time because we had way too much time and uh and we um yeah we we coming out of that we we went on like a crazy writing streak so like there's more songs that have that have been made since then that are a lot more of a collective involvement than just like coming forward with an idea and working it because you know for Before that, yeah, it was he would come forward with like most of an idea, or there was a you know a couple where I came forward with most of an idea, and it would be sort of working separately as opposed to together, which is like it's it works too, but it's it's fun that we're kind of doing it all collaboratively now, you know. And you worked with Steve Bays, who produced Hot Hot Heat, and they worked with the Killers as well. Is that right? So, He did. I mean, that that's quite a a big person to bag as your producer. How was it working with him? It was it was great. He's a he's a good friend at this point. I mean, we we went through a lot together in that in a very short span of time. We certainly did. And uh, like I said, yeah, we were trapped in his basement. It was because we got we all caught the caught COVID like like Right. right as we arrived. We got a week into recording, and I don't know uh, where along the line we all got it, but maybe he had it when we got there. One of us had it and brought it over to him. We don't know. We don't point fingers, but um, we ended up, yeah, stuck together. And like, luckily, no one was 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 too sick or Yeah, anything. but But we, uh, <laughs> so we ended up like managing to work through it quite a bit. But yeah, we were all we were all stuck together with with Steve and his girlfriend at the time, and and uh, it was quite a bonding experience. So um, yeah, we ended up just. Like for that week, we we took a less, spent less time on recording and more time on, like the second we were feeling good enough, we were drinking white wine and just having a good time in the studio, you know, getting a little crazy in there. Trying But to put everyone in a good mood, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Steve Bays is a cool guy though, man. He uh he actually had some stories. He uh he was telling us about when he was playing in Glasgow. He um he. played with Franz Ferdinand opened for them Glasgow and he was telling us that that Franz Ferdinand had a had a song called take me out <laughs> and uh they they hadn't put it out yet and That's uh must have been, that's must have been early on in Franz Franz Ferdinand's career then, because that yeah was the first album. yeah it was about yeah I think 2001 or around Right. that around that era 2000 2001 because they they had their big Hot Hot Heat, Steve Bass and Hot Hot Heat had their big record in in uh, 2001 Two thousand. or yeah, 2001 or 2002. So it would have been around that time. And then I think it was not long after that that Franz Ferdinand put out Take Me Out and everything changed for them too. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, but I can yeah. I can remember hot hot heat because um, they were all in about the same time. There was the Strokes and the Vines were in about that time as well. It was, I mean, the music scene, the early noughties in Britain, anyway, was was massive, and you had all these kind of American bands coming over as well. The Strokes is kind of heavily kind of talked about on the podcast, 
and yeah. I see that kind of you cite them as some of your influences as well, which we're going to kind of touch on. I've seen comparisons to Otis Redding, Talking Heads, um, influences as much as Elvis, The Strokes, Paul Simon, as you touched on, The Pixies and The Lumineers. So it's it's a vast um, array of different styles. How do you kind of how do you go condensing all that into the the Banks Brothers sound? Oh, that's a hard question. Let me think. I mean, um, I would say that like we almost song by song kind of basis, you know, like it's just kind of definitely, go, and yeah. it's like you'll you'll start it, and it's like what does this kind of remind me of, or like kind of like what. I don't know. It'll just be like the most, uh, like a simple chord progression. You'll just go, oh, you know what? I kind of want to take this kind of twist on it. And then it ends up being some sort of, yeah, talking headsy kind of thing with Carson on. You know? like, yeah. Well, we all kind of came into this with like different, different tastes and stuff like, and especially at the time. And, and as we've progressed as a band too, like we've all, we've gone through our phases of different bands from the start of this, like, like when we first started out, I was going through a big Pixies phase, you know. He had never heard of the Pixies, but then he turned around and wrote a song that sounded exactly like the Pixies. And I'd never, <laughs> I'd never heard, I hadn't heard of the Pixies. I hadn't heard of Nirvana till I was like way too old. He, I was like, but yeah, he, he so he liked the older stuff, you know. He was our our dad is is an older guy. Our dad's our dad's seventy six, so he's he's like our dad's influence was on him quite a bit so I, brother, I, like... I listened to like lots of like old like old blues and jazz and mm-hmm. uh you know some some classical stuff but mostly jazz and folk and then uh they all listened to like rock and like the the furthest i would go is like my favorite rock band was like the eagles and so i remember at band practice we were like what song should we do i was like oh guys and i'm like sitting there, they all have like these big amps and these big electrics i'm sitting there with like an acoustic guitar i'm like hey guys we should uh we should do peaceful, easy feeling. And then Carson's just like, Nelson, <laughs> Nelson, shut up. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's like, we're not, put- he's yeah. like, we're not playing the Eagles. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Nelson, Nelson wasn't traditionally cool. It was, and then it was immediately like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll learn the ways. And so I had to, you know, <laughs> educate myself. Yeah. But, but yeah. You, you get such a soulful voice. So like the voice is kind of dead distinctive. Mm, thank you. I yeah. mean, I, yeah, that's honestly probably a big impact on that is the the R and B stuff because we used to do so much like R and B covers and stuff because it was kind of like we had I don't know what happened we had one practice where we where we did was it like Bring It On Home or something Sam Cooke and then it was just like okay we're just gonna keep doing it and it was sounding really good and then I kept singing it louder and louder and louder until it was like almost growly well I think it was, it was I think like, the problem was that we didn't have good microphones and he was trying to cut above like that's probably <laughs> he was trying to cut above the, the drum kit in the middle of the living room so he realized he was wailing his voice to try and and match the volume in the room and then it suddenly sounded really good it was like okay keep doing that and then that sort of became our <laughs> that just became the standard it was like okay yeah. Nelson scream it's like yeah okay. yeah became the bread and butter for a few years was doing the sort of the otis redding and the sam cook and and you know those those guys trying you know sam and dave and yeah there was a period i thought we yeah. were going to become an r&b band but, yeah that was that was the general uh consensus that we were going to do sort of the more r&b style stuff but it ended up it you know there's what there's what you like and there's what you write you know and they're two different yeah. things yeah i, I think that's what I think the the voice is what kind of you can hear all the different influences, but then it's the the voice ties in, and that's how you know it's yours. You know what I mean? Like all these different influences, but the the you can tell it's the Banks Brothers. So yeah. obviously cool. this EP and waves you've been releasing songs throughout throughout twenty twenty three, and on the first of March. Which is what two or three weeks' time, I think. The the first of March, the Unwaves EP is out, and the culmination of all these songs that you've released for the last year. Um. So what 
what's coming musically after that, as you say, is you've kind of been writing other stuff. So is there going to be more releases throughout the year? For sure. I mean, we don't know exactly when, but we know like we've we've gotten to work on them already. Like we've we've uh, made made progress. We've broken ground on on recording some more songs as well. So um, yeah, and I I mean I I think we've definitely applied similar logic that we did with the EP, but also we learned a lot of things in the process of making the EP. So we're pretty excited for for the for the new releases as well like we if you if you come to the show in glasgow we'll play a few for you there it's gonna be a yeah it'll be it'll be fun to 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 kind of show them we we, we like playing we like playing the ep songs as well but you know it's always fun to to to, to move on to new stuff. things and, yeah. and make new things you know and so you mm -hmm. yeah because every new song you write is like the best thing you've ever written. So it's like, okay, yeah. we have to play it, you know? Yeah, we, we have a we have a problem with that. We always, whenever we write something new, we get so excited about it that we we walk into the, you know, the show, the next show, and we'll be like, hey, we wrote this song on Tuesday. <laughs> and we play that song. <laughs> we sometimes have to like stop ourselves from playing a song that isn't fully finished yet. Because we're just like, we, we could probably play it. It's like, no, we can't. Yeah. No, we can't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So that EP comes out the first of March and perfect timing for going out and tour with Red Drum Club and starting, as you said, 7th of March in Glasgow. I think that's a Thursday night, and that's so I will try and get to that gig. Um but you get Glasgow, Newcastle, Stoke, Leeds, London, Bristol, Plymouth, and Southampton. So you're going right down the country. Tickets still available for that. I'll post all the the ticket links and all that in the show notes. But what else have you got coming up? Have you got any other touring wise back home? Um yeah, well like we're we're working on on getting a sort of a like a Canadian leg of the tour tour maybe sorted out. Like we we did a Canadian tour, a full Canadian tour la this this time last year. We went we went all the way across from from Victoria to or sorry from vancouver started in vancouver and ended in halifax which is which is uh coast close, coast. that that's that's new york you know that's close to right. new york so that's that's uh, when you look at how big canada is that's quite a long distance that's you know several, yeah, that was... several thousand kilometers of driving um <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, yeah we drove it all in a, in a minivan and uh so i mean i mean if we if we do end up adding more dates i i hope we don't go as far as Halifax without maybe flying, you know, <laughs> something comfortable, right? <laughs> yeah. or at least, yeah, maybe a bigger, bigger uh, vehicle this time, but, bigger van. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're working on that. We've got, we've got some things. There's a few festivals and stuff coming through now, but uh, it's all kind of in the works still. So yeah, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing, nothing to report yet, but. And obviously with, with us being your first kind of time in Britain, Obviously, if that goes, if that goes down well, eh, we'd expect to see you back again here, maybe in the, the following years as well. Maybe like if you're back for like summertime for the festival season, that's when you can really kind of reach a different audience as well. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the hope. You know, we we hope to make an impression the first time around that they want to bring us back over to do that kind of thing too. You know, um, I know there's a lot of the. Red Rum Club are doing pretty well over there. I know they've got a good team of people sort of behind them and as well acquainted as we can get with, with you know, people they know over there and and their fan base and stuff. And, you know, maybe they come back over here and get acquainted with ours too, you know. And that's sort of, that's what I'm hoping for is to kind of have sort of a, a good, uh, like, relationship sort of develop on that front so we can be playing each other's festivals and, and that sort of thing, you know, going forward, which would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that all sounds good. Um, obviously the, the podcast is called Time for Heroes. I asked my guests to pick four heroes to come for dinner. Why they're your heroes and what you would took them. I do say four heroes, but I'm not so strict on that. Some people have picked up to fifteen heroes, so um, whatever you want to do on that kind of subject uh, they can be dead or alive musicians sportsmen whatever you like 
Um, but I fire away with that. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have anyone off the top of your head, Nelson? I got two, maybe three. Two of them definitely would be uh, Paul Simon uh -huh. uh, and Lou Reed. That'd be another one. I could actually sign on for both of those, so we can that that could apply to both of us. Actually, I would. I would, right. I would. And then uh, the lead singer of the Idols. The lead. Singer. I would have jo Joe Talbot. Yeah, Joe Idols. Talbot. I'd, I'd have I'd have dinner with that guy. But, yeah. yeah, there's there's an alive person I'd want to you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool. Meet and say hello yeah. to you know. Yeah, I mean uh, Paul Simon would be really interesting to have dinner with because he's <laughs> got a cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah uh, paul simon would be it would be a really interesting guy i've seen i've seen him in interviews and things and he's just got a really interesting way of of thinking and he and he kind of explains how he how he does his songwriting and, and things and it's um well the guy's really... got like a steel trap memory he'll talk yeah. about it and be like well i remember i was thinking of i was thinking of going to the major seventh and then i didn't and i'm just <laughs> how do you remember such yeah. a tiny you know yeah little details it's cool it makes it feel like way more involved in the process and yeah and his and his songwriting is so so stream of <laughs> so consciousness weird. like he's, yeah. he's got a very like stream of consciousness way of, of songwriting and and it almost like it's almost like he's walking down a street one day and you know he sees something or he hears a turn of a phrase or something and it, it, it invokes like an entire song to just like happen in that moment you know and that'd be really interesting to sort of pick his brain on that and as for what i'd cook paul simon i'd probably he seems like a really gentle guy so i feel like i'd make him a salad or something that's not too offensive you know or like salmon maybe <laughs> or maybe salmon something salmon. Light. something something light something light and unoffensive <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah i mean as for yeah lou reed lou reed would be a be just an interesting guy i mean he was around a lot of the very cool sort of early punk scene in new york uh -huh. with and, and yeah i mean i just i can't even imagine if it was he probably saw some crazy stuff like uh, Reed would be really interesting i think with with really the, the the david bowie and the aggie pop kind of friendships and all that as well you've got all that to talk about Oh, David Bowie's a good one. Oh yeah, that would be that's a good one too. Would have been really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would. Um, but yeah, Lou Reed. Lou Reed. He was just he was sort of in the thick of it without being the face of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a yeah. He's a cool. That's a cool guy to to have dinner with for sure. Yeah. Again, I'd probably make him a salad because I feel like he's probably a vegetarian. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and who is yeah. that? Who is that other one you said, Nelson? Hey, Joe Talbot from Joe Talbot. Yeah, he's the lead yeah. singer of uh, yeah the the punk band from Bristol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just released yeah. an album of I think they just released an album a couple of days ago. A few, a few days ago, Tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. I really like this. The last, especially these last two albums, they've they've been working with like a hip hop producer, Kenny Beats. Yes. Kenny Beats. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's been been really interesting to see like the what comes of that because it's it's a really cool approach to making indie rock records it kind of gets us thinking you know so yeah i mean and they're they're not exactly punk they're more they're more like they they don't define themselves as punk they I guess kinda, not. I guess yeah not. They're, they're more like just really really heavy indie rock heavy, heavy indie rock yeah. yeah um yeah what was your reasoning for having dinner with joe talbot nelson Oh, just because he's like he's a guy who's doing it currently, who I would uh, take a lot of influence from, and it'd just be cool to kind of get his opinions on things, you know, ask him about what whatever my brain can think of asking him about, you know, as far as the business and how you do your thing and whatever, mm -hmm. and just I don't know tips and tricks, tricks of the trade and all that. I'd probably just kind of try and pick his brain on that kind of thing, mostly. Yeah. What would, what would you make him for dinner? What would I make him for dinner? Oh, my God. I'd probably... I'd make him, like, a quinoa salad. I feel like that's what he eats. Just because he's, uh... Like, he, you know, they're very, like, peace and love and all yeah. granola in a very good way. So I would think probably... Salads, probably. salads all around. 
Salads I mean, all around. I mean, at the end of the day, we're dealing with musicians here. You know, we're dealing with a bunch of artists. Yeah, if they're, if they're not vegetarians, then they're trying to stay in shape to go on tour. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're about to go on tour for two weeks and eat nothing but fast food. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think another one I would, if I had to pick another one, I mean, do you go John Lennon or Paul McCartney? You know, <laughs> Paul McCartney for me. Personally. I would say I'd go John Lennon, I think. That's yeah. I, I'm a I'm a John Lennon man as well, but it's I mean again that's this is the second season of the podcast. So like, I did fifty episodes and I could that the first season and I did like a league table, um. So John Lennon, John Lennon won it. Um, Paul Mc I think Paul McCartney was like third or fourth or something. But this this season, John Lennon's hardly ever been picked. So really? I'm, I'm maybe about halfway through about 24 episodes and he's maybe only been picked two or three times. And a lot more people have been gone for McCartney. I, I think it's maybe due to the the documentary, see the Get Back documentary. And hmm. everybody's kind of seen Paul McCartney in a different light after that. I mean, I was always... I kind of thought Paul McCartney wrote all the kind of twee love songs to the Beatles, but seeing that, seeing that documentary and what he did for the band and he dragged that recording through when nobody else seemed interested. So it, it's funny how some a documentary like that seems to influence people's choices. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and well, Paul McCartney, he was always... He was such a force. Like, I mean, he is still such a force. Like, yeah, yeah John, John Lennon was a force. <laughs> Paul McCartney is a force. But Paul McCartney, yeah, he he had these sort of, like, he, he did write the sort of, as I think John Lennon called them, like, granny songs, you know? Mm -hmm. But he wrote, like, these, these granny songs. But then he also wrote these, like, amazing power ballads and these really clever, or, like, came up with these really clever progressions you know, in, in his his way. And then even, but, like, with the wings and stuff, too, yeah. he did it again. Yeah, he just so, kept doing it, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. John Lennon just, he's he's got a, you know, he's a cheeky guy. He's got a good attitude. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a bad attitude, some would call it. But it's, like, he's got a, yeah, he's he's cheeky. He's got a good sense of it's humor. Like, it's and, like an endearing guy. Uh, yeah, but you know? he, he had a very interesting way of, of thinking. Like, Paul, Paul McCartney kind of laid it out for you, but John Lennon, it seemed like he didn't quite know exactly where he was at. On yeah, things. it was kind of, it was quite dangerous, wasn't it? It, it was like a proper kind of rock star. Yeah, it was, it had, it had all the volatility of a rock star, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that. So that's what that's what gets me more keen on having dinner with John Lennon just to see how it would go. Well, I'll, I'll let you have both. You can have both. It'd be nice to sit down with the two of them in the room as well, wouldn't it? That's true. Yeah, I think the true, the true, the best dinner would be to have both of them there and see the dynamic at work. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be yeah. the that would be the the real ideal. I think. Yeah, the ultimate treat. Yeah, we had them. Um, obviously, as I say, I've done seven episodes. Someday. Someday, a few episodes ago, picked Ringo Starr, and that was the first time he'd ever been picked. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was quite surprised. I, I, um, I, I, I wasn't sure if he would ever be picked, but I think the reason for him getting picked was not so much the drumming for the Beatles, but because he voiced um, on Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, right. He voiced for that, so... <laughs> so I... That was an interesting choice. Um, but I that's us at the end. Thanks very much for coming on and speaking to us. Thank you for getting up at kind of such an early time in the morning to come on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, um, no, thank you for having us all. All yeah. the best with the, the EP release on the 1st of March and even more so for this UK tour. I hope you enjoy it and I hope to see you in Glasgow. But I yeah. thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very yeah, much. You yeah, we'll us. we'll uh we'll see you when we're over there, my man. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on 
the Facebook page, Time for Heroes Podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes Podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others, and more importantly, enjoy. Enjoy.